Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to be with you uh, again this morning. And I'd like to uh, thank Louise, who uh, gave me the privilege of preaching this morning uh, with Steve uh, being sick. But it's really good to start a new uh, preaching uh, series as we look at the Christian Basics series. And uh, uh, Steve thought it would be a really good idea if we looked at the one another phrases that there are in the Bible. Now, I'm wondering if you can tell me how many one another phrases you think there might be in the New Testament. Anyone got an idea as he's just putting it up on the screen? <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Well, the phrase one another is used a hundred times in 94 New Testament verses. Now, 47 of these verses give instructions to you, to me, to the followers of Jesus Christ. The church. And 60% of those instructions come from St. Paul. And four of the one another commands are about kissing. All right, we'll get to that later. Kissing. All right, so let's have a look at where they fall. One third of the one another commands deal with the unity of the church. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before eating the Eucharist, the Holy Communion. Don't bite, devour and consume one another. <laughs> Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender-hearted and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. Now, one third of these one another phrases instruct Christians to love one another. Love one another. Lots of references about loving one another. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another with a kiss. Of love. Be devoted to one another in love. About 15% of the one another phrases stress an attitude of humility and deference among believers. Give preference to one another in honour. Now you go first and get the cappuccino first. <laughs> Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Struggle with that one. <laughs> Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And here's the rest. Do not judge one another and don't put a stumbling block in a brother or sister's way. Greet one another with a kiss. Husbands and wives don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. 
Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. Now I'm starting this one another series with the one another from Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 3. Bear with one another, he says. Forgive one another. Now you may have noticed that that saying is in the church unity section. What does it mean to bear with one another? It means sacrificing for the people you love, even when you have to give up something major. It means knowing and understanding and accepting your loved ones. Not only your loved ones, but your friends and acquaintances, because they are going to fail you. They aren't always going to get it right. But neither are you. So Paul writes this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, cove yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When I was studying theology at Ridley College in the late 80s, early 90s, I had the privilege of attending a preaching school featuring the great American preacher and teacher, Lewis Smedes. He gave us a great definition of forgiving one another. He said this, Forgiving is going to a person either in your fantasies or in reality and saying, I don't understand. I'll never understand. It wasn't okay and it isn't okay, but I forgive you. Forgiving doesn't make a person a doormat. Forgiving isn't the same as tolerance. Forgivers don't have to be fools. Forgiving is healing yourself of something that happened to you that you cannot tolerate. But you forgive it as the only way to heal the wound that it left you with. You forgive somebody and you begin to dance instead of wallow. You begin to walk with God. You set a prisoner free and you discover the prisoner you set free was you. He also said, you will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and feel the power to wish them well. Desmond Tutu said, 
Forgiveness says you are given another chance to make a new beginning. Mark Twain. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Oscar Wilde, of course, always forgive your enemies, nothing annoys them so much. <laughs> and Alexander Pope, we don't often hear the full quote here, but are near so dire a thirst of glory boast, nor in the critic let the man be lost. Good nature and good sense must ever join. To err is human, to forgive divine. C.S. Lewis said, Everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. But forgiveness is not easy, is it? Bearing one another in the church is not easy, is it? Retribution comes quite naturally to everyone. Everyone is a born professional. And we're all born experts at retribution. Tit for tat. A television reporter interviewed a woman whose son had been shot dead by a crazed gunman. He asked her something like, what would you like to see done to the gunman who killed your son? What do you think would be justice in this case? Justice, the mother asked. Justice is ultimately up to my Lord. Although my heart wants revenge on the man who did this, I know that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I just pray that God will give me the courage to forgive. The courage to forgive. That's what it would take, wouldn't it? Courage to go against the natural desire for retribution and forgive one another. You see, it's not news in this world when someone shoots another person to death. It happens almost every day. But when someone stands up and forgives, that's news. Good news. The good news of the gospel. That mother, even in her grief, had God's love poured deeply into her. God had given to this ordinary woman an extraordinary courage to forgive. Jesus, through the words of his gospel, invites us to hear with one another and to forgive one another. In Matthew 18, our Lord says, Later Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven times, Peter, but seventy times seven. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom's realm can be illustrated like this. And Jesus tells this parable. 
There was once a king who had servants who borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his disciples owed him a billion dollars. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, pay me what you owe. When his servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me one time and I will repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing the plea, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, you better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, please be patient with me. I'll just give me time. I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. And when his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, you scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed to you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In this same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you who do not release forgiveness from your heart towards your fellow believer. You see, I believe that the mark of a Christian is that I forgive and I forgive quickly. I wonder if any of you know of Corrie Ten Boom. She tells a very powerful story that even if you've heard it before, is worth repeating. In her book, The Hiding Place, a Dutch woman called Corrie Ten Boom tells how she and her sister Betsy were interred at the Nazi camp of Raisenbrook. And Betsy died there. And Corrie dreaded the day when after the war she might encounter one of her captors. And it happened one day in Munich where Corrie was giving her testimony at a Christian rally. There was a former SS officer who had stood guard at the showers in the camp. Corrie looked up and suddenly he was facing her. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. I think that as you say, Jesus has washed my sins away. The man thrust out his hand to Corrie, but she couldn't take it. She felt shame and guilt cursing through her body. Lord Jesus, she prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. 
but nothing happened. There was no warmth or forgiveness in her. And again she prayed, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And struggling with herself, she took the man's hand. And as she did, she says the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that overwhelmed me. So I ask you, in that encounter, was Corrie the loser? Was she the victim or the victor? Our behaviour as Christians, the freedom under which we work, is not based on what we want. Or even on what the other person wants. But rather on the basis of who God is. We are called to be powerful, world-changing, revolutionary people. Saints. We can win, you see, because we can forgive. Yet few things are more difficult for us than forgiveness of others for the wrong that they inflict upon us. Some of us are here today have been bearing secret grudges towards other people for years. There are people here today who are still seething with resentment over a remark someone made to them long ago. Some of us here are consumed with resentment because someone else achieved a more favourable position in life than we did. Few things are more difficult for us than forgiveness. A famous uh, composer had a rebellious son who used to come in late night after night after his mother and father had gone to bed. And before going to his own room, this rebellious son would go over to his father's piano and slowly and spitefully and loudly would play a simple scale, but not the final note. He would play Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti. Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti. And he wouldn't strike that final note. Do. And then leaving the scale unfinished, he would retire to his room. Meanwhile, of course, his father, hearing the scale minus the final note, would twist and turn and writhe in bed. His mind unable to relax because the scale wasn't finished. And finally, not able to stand it any longer, the father would crawl out of bed and stumble down the stairs and strike that final note of the scale. Do. Only then could he relax 
and be at peace. Now that's an interesting parable because it reminds me of the way that we so often treat God. We play around with some of the notes of faith, but we don't play the full scale. We forgive, but not completely. We love, but not completely. We serve, but not completely. We accept Jesus, but not completely. We live the Christian lifestyle, but not completely. We commit our lives to God, but not completely. But then, even when we treat God shabbily, in his infinite patience and amazing grace, he continues to reach out to us and he continues to love us. In other words, living the life of Jesus demands a different behaviour. A behaviour that will leave others in no doubt about who you are. A Christian. A follower of Jesus. If I have been forgiven by God through the death of his son Jesus. If I am someone who knows the joy and release of being forgiven then how utterly inappropriate is it for me to refuse to share that blessing with you, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. One another. How presumptuous of us to refuse to forgive one another whom Jesus has already forgiven. Now if you need to forgive someone either in this church or somewhere else do it today. That person doesn't even have to be alive. That person doesn't have to live in the state of Victoria. In your heart, you forgive them and set yourselves free. In my first ministry in the church, I counselled a woman whose father had raped her and who had given birth to his child. She was 70 six years old and she had never ever forgiven him been in the church all her life and yet through some words and some actions what she was able to do was to write a letter to her father who was long dead and she took that letter and she burnt the letter and she carried the ashes to Sydney where her father was buried. And she scattered those ashes on his grave and stood there and forgave him. She became 
a different woman. All that pent-up resentment and hurt had gone. She had set herself free. Next week, Clint will continue the One Another series with Love One Another. Would you just bow your heads in prayer with me? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, time and again, you forgave us our sin. Even when your son hung on the cross, he looked down at us and pronounced forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. Teach us to forgive others as you so graciously forgave us. Give us the grace we need to overcome resentment and envy of others. Teach us to forgive even as you have forgiven us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.